Well, uh, I'm reading, first of all, from uh, the book of Isaiah, from the 40, uh, 64th chapter. Expresses the longings of the people of Israel who were in exile. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down, O God, to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eyes has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Then a reading from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what said about him. And then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. Have you ever longed for something? I mean, have you really longed for something? You know, that deep yearning and desire for something you just couldn't wait to have or to hold or to taste or to experience. Perhaps it was that, uh, that perfect Christmas toy you knew was there under that tree. You could hardly wait to open up the package. Or uh, the delectable taste of Grandma's cinnamon rolls fresh out of the oven. Or perhaps it was that brand new release of one of your favorite artists or the or maybe the newest computer or gadget or techno accessory that has suddenly gone on sale. 
Perhaps you remember longing for home when you were away at school or yearning to spend just one more moment in the embrace of a loved one. Or perhaps you long to be extricated from some terrible predicament or some stressful situation. We human beings are a bundle of yearnings and desires. There's something in us that always wants something more. Whether it's a simple longing for a possession, for a new possession, a new thing, or something more complicated like uh, our desire to be embraced by another human being. Our readings and our music and our worship this Advent season reminds us that at bottom, what our hearts long for most, what we're really yearning for, or what our hearts cry is, whether we know it or not, is God himself. It was St. Augustine who prayed, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Only God can fill our hearts. More than anything, we need God to come and to meet our spiritual need. In Old Testament days, our ancestors in the faith yearned for God to come. They longed for a Savior. In the time of Isaiah the prophet, the Israelites had been carried off into exile. Their lives were miserable. They were being oppressed, and so they longed for a different world, for a different life, free from oppression and war and violence. And they longed to return to their homeland and go, to go back to way life, way life was, back with their families, to return to their places and to return to their God. So they desperately wanted, for, wanted God to come and to save them. And that longing was so well expressed in that passage from Isaiah we just read, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down, God, come down to make your name known to your enemies. So that was their heart's cry. And they waited and they waited and waited. They affirmed their faith in the one who would act on their behalf. And then in succeeding centuries, the people of Israel continued to wait. They waited in hope, longing for the uh, Savior to come. And we read about Simeon and Anna. Both of them had never ceased yearning, desiring the, 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 for the Savior to come. Uh, they, they yearned for what Simeon called the consolation of Israel. They waited patiently for God to act on their behalf. And even though Israel at the time of Simeon and Anna, the time of Jesus, even though they were under Roman occupation and everything was dark and everything looked really bleak, they kept on hoping and praying, waiting and watching. And then finally, that glorious day came when all that waiting, that waiting that, all that yearning that we see in Simeon and Anna finally came to pass, and uh, Simeon and Anna were actually able to see with their eyes the salvation that God had provided in Christ. So today, we uh, wait for Christ to come again. We look back to His coming 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. We look forward to His coming again at the end of time, and He promises to come again at Christmas time, and indeed in this present moment.
So the season of Advent is a time to get in touch with our own longings for God and our need for a Savior. And so I think we have to ask, to what degree do you and I really long for God to come? Do we long for Him to come in a new way? Honestly, is that the greatest longing of our hearts? Is that our heart's greatest desire? Do we long for Him like the prophets of old? Or like the psalmist who said, Oh God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so longs my soul for thee, O God. I mean, is that at bottom what we really want? To know him and to live for him? Do we seek God and the, and the things of God with a holy passion? Jesus congratulated people who earnestly sought God and God's power, God's healing for their lives. The woman with the hemorrhage, if you remember in that story, the woman with the hemorrhage who made her way through the crowd. She pushed her way through just so that she could touch the hem of Jesus' garment to find healing. Or the centurion who stopped at nothing to see that his slave was healed. Or the four men who opened up the roof for their paralytical paralytic friend to be lowered down at the feet of Jesus that he might experience healing. Jesus appreciated their earnestness, their great desire to know God and to know God's healing, God's power. And he continues to commend those who seek him with all their heart, who desperately want him. Keep on asking, said Jesus, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now, if you and I are honest with ourselves, we'll have to admit, I believe, that we have not wanted God enough. Our longing is not all that intense. We fill our lives with all sorts of things that we think our heart desires. And an attempt to fill the God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. And then we wonder why we're so unhappy and so unfulfilled. And what we do is we keep ourselves so busy and so distracted that we have no time to listen to what our heart is really telling us, what our heart really is yearning for. Uh, it was Robert Louis Stevenson who spoke of the malady of not wanting. The malady of not wanting. But actually, not wanting, is the pr is, that's not the problem. The problem is that we want the wrong things. So what we really need, and I think this is an image that comes from Lloyd Ogilvie, who was a Presbyterian preacher. He says, what we really need is a converted wanter. A converted wanter. A converted wanter wants not only Christ himself, but all the things he cares about. So what does Christ care about? That God's will will be done on earth as in heaven? That the poor be fed and the sick cared for and the lonely befriended and the stranger welcomed? He cares about peace and justice and the end to war and oppression, fullness of life for all people, what the Bible calls shalom, the spread of the kingdom of righteousness, Life lived in right relationship with God and with other, with other people. 
and we have to ask ourselves, is that what we care about too? Are those our greatest desires? Do we share our Lord's longing, His passion for His world? I mean, is it our great desire that His kingdom come and that we offer ourselves to be used by Him to bring in that kingdom? This then ought to be our Advent prayer. Lord, I want to know you. And I want the things that you want. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with a holy passion for you and for the things that you care about. And our longing for Christ will increase. Our passion for the things of Christ, of God, will grow when we come to grips with our own spiritual need and the spiritual brokenness of the world around us. Because unless we are aware of our own sin, we have no need for a Savior. Unless we are alert to the darkness within us, we have no need for the one who comes as the light of life. Unless we are more alert to evil and injustice in the world and grieve over it, we will not long for one to come who will finally make things right. We will long for God when we recognize our own deep spiritual need. And that is really hard for us proud people. Because I know we like to think that we don't have many needs. And compared to our neighbors, hey, we're doing just fine. We're nice people. We do good things. We're all used to being in control most of the time. I mean, sometimes life takes a tumble, but hey, we, you know, we're doing comparatively well. We're pretty comfortable, actually, when it comes right down to it. So we may really wonder, well, do we really need a Savior? I can save myself, right? What is there to be saved from? A lot of people are there, by the way. <laughs> I don't need a Savior. I do just fine. Thank you. But the Scripture reminds us that those who say they have no sin are simply deluding themselves. They're not being honest with themselves. They don't know themselves. In a sermon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor and martyr, said the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. For these, it is enough to wait in humble fear until the Holy One Himself comes down to us, God in the child in the manger. And Jesus Himself said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are aware of their spiritual need, for then God will come to them, and they will experience all God's blessings. So the way to enter into the true spirit of this season is to be honest with ourselves. And to know that not all is right within. We need to come to terms with our own needs and not turn a blind eye to those needs. And we, are, we need to know that there is one who is coming to save us. You and I need a Savior. 
So this is a time to examine ourselves and to take spiritual inventory of our lives. It was Mark Twain who commented, everyone is a moon and has a dark side which he never shows to anybody. This is a time to be honest with yourself and to be in touch with your dark side because you got one. We all have a shadow side. The Lord knows it. To a degree, we know it. We don't want anybody else to know it. But be honest. Everyone is a moon and has a dark side which he never shows to anybody. So this is a time to face the darkness within and everything in us that needs the Savior's healing touch. And it means asking ourselves some tough questions. What in me still needs to be redeemed by the Lord? Where do I need the Lord's healing touch? What needs to be forgiven? What attitudes and motivations need to be changed? What struggles do I need to overcome? And are there repeated struggles with temptations and sin that have become unhealthy patterns in my life and embarrass me, but before which I feel helpless? As Twain said, we all have our dark side. But we need to be aware of the darkness if the light is to come. And that light brings healing. The more aware we are of the darkness in us, the deeper our longing for Christ and for the salvation that he brings. So before we sing, hark the herald angels sing and proclaim the, the Savior's birth, let us prepare ourselves spiritually for his coming and wait for the Lord. In the busy round of all the activity of this season, carve out some time simply to be alone. And through self-examination, get back in touch with your heart's deepest longing. You know, we're so rarely alone with ourselves. <laughs> um, you know, there's constant noise and activity and so on. But when it's just you, and it's just you for kind of a longer period of time than normal, do you know that, that loneliness that you feel? That kind of that sense of emptiness that... that that you sense, that, that sense of emptiness comes to you at those moments, of, that is actually your longing for God. God, in fact, has hardwired us. It's kind of the homing instinct, right? We get in touch with that. I need to be home with God. We've been hardwired. That's it. Nothing else is going to fill it. Not the latest toy or gadget. Not all the stuff that the internet says you've got to have to be happy. Talk about constant barrage, right? No. 
Our heart's cry is for God. Whether we know it or not, that's it. Get in touch with that. And allow that to lead you to the Savior. Let him fill you with his presence and with his love. Know that God will come to you if you ask him. Patient waiting in hope is rewarded as Simeon and Anna found out. And so in our longing, let us pray the words of the Advent hymn. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Amen.